go ahead and give me some levels, man. Hey, it's Mike P. It's your boy. Um, uh, and, and I'm here to say, I love uh, DVDs in a major way. <laughs> Great. Yeah? Please. <laughs> I'm Liza Poor. I'm Mike Palasek. Every week, we randomly pick two movies from our stupidly large DVD collection, watch them, and discuss. When it's all over, we can only keep one. Two discs enter. One disc leaves. This is... DVD Deathmatch! Hello! Hello! Hi! Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great, how are you? I'm pretty uh, amazing. I do have this wicked burn on my arm. You did burn your arm this week. Much like... On soup! Yeah, unlike Freddy Krueger, you burned your arm making soup. That's true. Not... In my nightmares? No, no, no. Freddy Krueger got burned alive by a bunch of parents after he saying. molested But him. also, Nancy, yeah. he burns Nancy? Look, we'll get into it. It's okay. fine. <laughs> we don't need to do this right now. Uh, but you burned your, your arm making delightful butternut squash soup that was very good. I don't know if it was worth a week of pustules on your arm. Wow, but. pustules. Really painting a picture <laughs> Great. for everyone. Um, um, well, this has been really strange. I was just like talking like everything's normal because it's not normal. <laughs> it's not a normal day. There are other people here. This is not normal. Do not normalize this. Get excited. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, we have two guests. Two. Not just one, but two. Two guests. Do you guys want to say hello? Hello. <laughs> that was our, our dear, dear friends, Brandon and Emily, who are not only wonderful people, but also horror film fanatics. Fanatics. We have so, a problem. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's a problem. I think it's wonderful and beautiful. And we could not have thought of a better guest to have on our spooky season podcast. Yes. So welcome. Well, and thank, thank you. you. And thank you both so much for inviting us to be guests on your show. Sure, uh, of being, course. Being given the opportunity to talk about horror movies in any context is a treat for me. But to do it on a show hosted by two of my favorite people in the world. Oh, is, come is on. A treat, is a treat on top of the treat. And to have my favorite girl sitting here oh. with me, too. That's oh, me, my right? gosh. Yeah. You guys, get so ready. Good. This is just going to be a real love fest, okay? <laughs> well, also, if you needed to, like, take a half hour to talk about burning yourself while cooking, I'm I'm totally there for that, too. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like... I, I feel like Emily can relate. I feel like you've had several... Um, I was trying induced. to show you. It doesn't come come over well through the camera, but I have about, at any given time, I typically have two to three burns on my right arm from cooking. And as yeah. soon as one heals, I actually have lines on my arm. It looks like I cut myself. I don't. Uh, but I have like one, two, three, and they're all the same. It's me banging my arm on the top of the oven when I open it up. So. Oh, no. Yeah, I had the same thing. because I So mine's like right there. So I had a, I had a huge bandage on it. And uh, I was at the bus stop with the kids, and one of the other parents was like, what uh, What happened? And yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't try to unalive myself. <laughs> I just burned myself on soup. It's fine. I yeah. watched two horror it's... remakes, and I was not happy with the world or myself. <laughs> <laughs> not a Robert Zombie fan over here. No, <laughs> no, I couldn't take it. No. <laughs> Robert? Um, <laughs> Robert. That is the one time I'm going to make the Robert Zombie joke, which Isn't I made one time? seven times while we were watching it. He truly um, did. Joke is generous. So anyway, <laughs> it, it, um, it is, well, it's, it's you know, it's it's what you do. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to start calling exactly. him Bobby Zombie. I never, I never thought Bobby go Zombie's Rob, good. Far too, far too involved. Bobby Zombie. Yeah. Bobby. <laughs> I love Robert it. Robert of Zombie. Yes. <laughs> 
Do you um, guys, so, sorry, real quick, do you guys want to speak briefly about, like, your horror fanaticism? We described you as fanatics. I don't know if that's uh, a problem. <laughs> I, no, it's not a problem at all. I'd say it's pretty um, accurate. Um, I mean, we're, we're certainly welcome to do so. Sure. We have very different journeys when it comes to horror. All right. Your, yours began earlier. Yeah, so mine's, mine's pretty begin, simple. Why don't you begin with yours? Right. Well, I was just born into a family where, and I'm the youngest of four, so it meant nothing was ever screened for me or, like, I was dragged to movies. I might have said, like, when I was eight or six years old and said, I don't want to go see the movie about the killer dog because I'm afraid of dolls and I'm six years old and I don't think child's play is made for me. But it was my brother's ninth birthday, and it wasn't like you get a babysitter for the one kid, so I ended up getting dragged to Child's Play. Uh, so most of my life was just watching whatever everybody else was watching, uh, and it just never left me. So I've just always – it's still my favorite genre. I, I can give you a lot of different psychological reasons why, but <laughs> I think truthfully, like, I'm generally a really positive, pretty sunny person. Um, I don't I like true crime. Like, I, I don't really want to think about terrible things in the world. And so I think in part that's why I really love the watching fictional terrible things happen. Because I just, it's a whole different, I'm sure there's some, like, separation anxiety or something going on there. I don't know. Uh, but it works yeah. for me. So I've still always loved it. Um, I blog about horror. I podcast about horror. I just typically at any given time am watching horror. But my husband, Brandon, has a very different journey. I yeah. Do, yes. I um when I was a child growing up in the decade of the 1980s, I was terrified of horror. Oh. I was terrified of horror movies. I would if a trailer for a horror movie came on television, I would run out of the room. I would have mocked you so uh, much. Probably yes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, we're <laughs> So I'm, I mean, but of course I'm growing up in the golden age of the slasher. And so I'm going to school with all these kids who are talking about watching all these movies. So I'm scared of these movies and I've never even seen them. I had a nightmare about Freddy Krueger before I'd ever seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Um, but I, I don't know what happened. It was all of a sudden it was like a switch flipped. And not only, not only did I decide I was not scared of horror movies anymore, I wanted to see every one that had ever been made. Uh, and if there were franchises, I wanted to see all of them, preferably quickly. So I just that that was when it started. It started for me right when I got into high school. What I had, love that. What had, yeah, what had been at first a I'm terrified of to then a well I'm not really into that suddenly became I want to see everything and I want to see it now. Yeah, I was kind of the same way. Where where I think mine happened a little bit later than high school, but. I definitely kind of what broke me was Scream, which came out when I was in high school. And it was like, that was the movie you had to see Scream. Yeah. So I forced my, well, my, my sister, who, as I said previously, delighted in the fact that I was absolutely terrified the whole time. Um, but, uh, and I kind of watched it, you know, it fingers in my ears and over my eyes. I probably missed most of it on that first viewing, but then exactly. There was like a switch that flipped and all of a sudden I was like, and it happened with the Saw movies of of all of them. You were, like, obsessed with the Saw movies. I just, I don't know what happened. I was obsessed. Because Saw also brought about this whole kind of horror movement of, like, torture porn, you know, that got really big for a minute. And, again, I think I'm a pretty, like, sunny, happy, bubbly person. But I was like, ooh, these Saw movies are great. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm one of the rare defenders of the Saw series, so I get <laughs> it. But you might be the first person I have ever met who, like, act, aside from, like, I think a younger generation that had their, like, turning point with Saw the way you did Scream, mm. you might be the first adult 
who was an adult during Saw, and you said, yeah, this makes me want to watch more. Fascinating. I saw, yeah, I saw the first Saw, and I was like, okay, I'm done with that. That's uh, how we felt. <laughs> That's how I and felt. Then, yeah, exactly. And then... Like she, and then every time they came, and you know, they came out every year because they were like, let's just pump these things out. Mm-hmm. And I think like four years in a row, you were like, you dragged me to see the <laughs> Saw sequel. And I was like, marathons point, so you could go yes! watch all of them before, which you sometimes had right. to do because by the time you get to like six, you need to have seen every one of them. They're so intricate. You really They're do. So yeah. intricate. It is the it's most, so weird. in terms of franchises, I think it is the most. Um, the other one I would pair to that is Child's Play as far as a franchise that says we care about the people that came to watch our our movies and we're going to keep making sequels for them not for new people like every movie is going to reference characters and random things that happen in other ones and I think like it's intense in Saw you cannot walk into Saw 5 having not seen 1 through 4 you really can't the timeline is crazy like anyway um so then the other question we want to ask you yes. is what is the most scared you've been by a horror film? Like what was the film that scared you the absolute most? Like scared, not just like, Oh, I liked this movie a lot. Cause I feel like with horror people, myself included, it's yeah. like I watch a ton of horror movies and I'm never scared by them <laughs> <laughs> or rarely, you know what I mean? But what, sorry that you get the question. You understand. I don't need to explain this anymore. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> Um, I would say, so one, I mean, the one that defined me is the poster hanging behind my head, which was being six years old. I had a fear of dolls because when I was four years old, I had a doll. I never had dolls. I got one doll. I had it for a day. My brother poked the eye out of it. Um, I didn't want the doll anymore. My dad tried to get the eyeball out. He ended up like mangling the doll's whole head. I was like, get it away from me. Get it away from me. I'm I'm scared of this thing. Months go by and my older sister is babysitting me. I'm not doing something she wants me to do. So she says, okay, um, I'll be right back. She goes into her closet where she had taken the doll and covered it in fake blood and like turned it into Chucky before Chucky was a thing and would chase me around the house with it to make me do her bidding. Um, so oh when God. I was six and got dragged to Child's Play, it was terrifying to me. And it, when I go back to a lot of movies like that, I see the thing that was scary was because it was a child. And I think that's mm. why Poltergeist is so scary. That's why like some of those movies that really hit you and you don't quite know why and you realize looking back, oh, it's because it suddenly I could have been the victim. Um, and yeah. that's right, why like right. certain slashers are not, as a kid, were not scary to me because Jason didn't kill kids. So I was okay right. for a while until I would turn 13. I'd be good. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was the one that kind of defined me, I would say. Uh, I, I would say it is a tie for me. Uh, there are two. The first was when I saw the original Candyman. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, at one point, uh, for any of you who are listening who have not seen it, go see it. Um, so so I won't spoil this moment, but there is a moment in that film when something happens rather unexpectedly and I leapt from the chair I was sitting and watching and, and shouted (laughs) (laughs) Um, at this point. It was, I mean, it was right when it first came out on video. So what was I 15? Maybe. Um, and when I saw the first paranormal activity, yeah, that's what we were talking about last week. Yeah. I saw it with a friend of mine. We spent. The entire film practically cowering against each other <laughs> in the theater, and I slept with the lights on that night. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I think that's the thing that's so terrifying about Paranormal Activity is that shit happens during the day. 
You're supposed to be safe with the lights oh, on. I, the paranormal I love activity was a daytime on. horror movie. That is the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Amazing. Yeah. Candyman. I have the same feeling about like, I just rewatched it. I'd seen it when I was a kid, but I just rewatched it last year. And like the, the you just stuff happens in that movie where you're like, oh, I have no idea what's going to happen next because this just is going in directions that I've never seen before. And I just I love that so much. Now, one more question for you guys. Why? <laughs> <laughs> right. Why did you pick these two movies? Right. Because we let we said we we sent you our list and we said you can pick any two to pick against. And each now other. you learned your lesson and you learned yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're never democracy doing that again. doesn't work. You told me you were like, here's the movies they picked, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what in God's name? I mean, it's and and like I like I said, it's my fault. It's our fault for owning them. I know, but we definitely own them as part of like box sets. Yeah, that that's we the got. question I have for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's um, like, oh, you know, I did a full rewatch of Friday the Thirteenth, and you know, they're like pretty cheap if you just buy them. You're all completest. Once. Like you want the whole yeah, series, whether you yeah, like them or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's my own fault. Anyway, uh, well, when you sent us the list, first of all, I thought there's no way we're ever going to be able to because if, if you remember, it took us several days. To get back to you with our selections because we simply could not decide. What I finally did is I went through and I made what were I maybe something like 15 pairings, 10 to 15 pairings um, of movies on the list that you sent us, all of which were connected in some way, at least if if nothing else in my mind were connected. Mm -hmm. And these two were I paired as an example of early 2000s attempts to remake classic Horror yep. films. Yep. Um, to remake horror films at that point were just 30, not quite yet 30 years old. And so you can thank uh, Emily because she's the <laughs> one who so, looked at my list of pairings and said, let's do these two. I hemmed and hawed a lot uh, because I, oh, man, and it killed me because there were so many on your list. I'm like, oh man, like it'd be great to, to, like, you've never seen some of these. Like, you've never seen Messiah of Evil. That's a great movie. That'd be great to talk oh, about. Yeah. And then I see his list and I'm like, you know, okay, um, there's some really interesting conversations to be had with a bunch of these. And I looked at these two, I'm like, you know, because I think a lot where, you know, it's it's 2020, the year is 2021. There's been a <laughs> lot lately of early 2000s um, reevaluations. Sure. And it immediately, I'm like, you know, I haven't seen either of those films since the first time I saw them, 10 right. to 15 years ago. Right. And it's at this point, there's enough distance to where to me, it's an, it's another decade or another movement of horror, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. where you can look and say very specifically, Oh, these were of a time. These were of a trend. These were something that studios put money into thinking they had something, um, how we know how people felt about them. Then I knew how I felt about them. Then I felt mixed on both of them. Um, And I was just really curious what what will happen if we watch them again today with 2021 eyes. Hmm. And so we all did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that distance of like looking back as like, oh, this was part of a movement. Whereas when you're in it at the time, you're like, okay, I guess they're doing this now. These movies, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's interesting. And there was so much anger in the beginning, if you remember, like, and by the time it was Nightmare, there was just, you know, so much divide amongst horror fans and everybody saying, you know, stop doing this. And both of these <laughs> kind of came late in the cycle of remakes. I think yeah. when you think about it. 
and it, which is interesting because you would think they would have learned by then. Um, right. But they're really, I think, different. And my, I've, I've changed my mind like five times, even since we rewatched them a few weeks ago, of what is it, what is worthy in either one of them. And I think both of them have. There's things to pull from both of them. Um, sure. Overall, they're miserable viewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I had just watched the Halloween. Like, I did a full rewatch of Halloween series last year. And so I had just, for the first time, watched the Rob Zombie one. Well, let's get, sorry, we'll start. We'll get into it now. Okay. Okay. So, and then we'll talk about the Halloween. Yeah. Okay, I love right. it. Y'all, this week, all four of us watched. Two movies. Two movies. Two movies. We watched Halloween from 2007, and we watched Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. Let's start with Halloween. As I said, 2007, directed by Robert Zombie. Um, Robert Zombie. (laughs) Robert Zombie. Our IMDb summary is, after being committed for 17 years, Michael Myers, now a grown man and still very dangerous, escapes from the mental institution and immediately returns to Haddonfield to find his baby sister, Lori. Oof. Oof. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Um, The IMDb summary does, like, I mean, I think, okay. We'll just start. Yes, that's that's what we should do. <laughs> the thing that jumps out, I'm a huge, like, Halloween, the John Carpenter one, maybe my favorite horror movie of all time. Love it so much. Masterpiece. The thing that jumps out to anyone watching this Rob Zombie one, besides, like, all the style and just, like, all the, you know, Rob Zombie, like, oh, style. yeah, style. Oh, people saying, like, oh, <laughs> all the choices. Hey, yeah, so many choices. <laughs> That's such choices a kind way to put it. Um, but the thing that jumps out to anyone, even you, you were like, is this in the original? Mm-hmm. Was how much time is spent with young Michael Myers. So That's much like, time. seems to me the biggest choice of all in the adaptation. And that is, that's like the thing that I think that sets it apart from every other Halloween movie. And it's all about in infusing him with motivation, kind of, but kind not of. really. So, I, yeah, I feel like um, now I have seen the original Halloween, but I don't remember it. I think I've only seen it once. Yeah, you were, you didn't love it. I didn't love it. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, I think it but, almost broke the two of you up based on the <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, the thing about this, it's 20 minutes, half an hour of, of baby Michael Myers. And it just reminded me of that Patton Oswalt bit. I just want to see the thing that I like. Don't show me how the thing that I like came to be. Um, and, and there's a thing with Michael Myers where I respect the fact that he's just a psychopath. Like, I feel like, a, and, and, and that is the thing that I think makes him interesting is that he just kills people because he wants to kill people. He's just people. like a force of nature. It's not like Freddy where it's like, well, we burned him and he's mad. You know what I mean? Um, and by doing this 30 minute intro of like baby Michael Myers, it, you're trying to take that away, but also you didn't do a good job of it. Cause he was still just, it was still just like, oh, he's just like, he, he just killed the rat cause he wanted to kill the rat. I was very upset about the rat. <laughs> um, and the cat yeah. and the dog. Yes, yeah. yes. I just. And the people. It's and... like, yeah. Most of them were pretty awful. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least in the beginning. 
in the first act. So yeah, so like there's a weird thing for me where the thing that I like about him is that he's infused with the fact that he's just a fucking psychopath. And by doing this and by having it, I'm going back for my baby sister. I I don't know. It just didn't, it met. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) You had, um, because I feel like I, I respect that he tried something different. That he came to this and said, okay, if I'm going to remake Halloween, I'm not going to remake Halloween. I'm going to tell a different Halloween. Yeah. Um, And I respect the idea of it, but I I think it falls short. You have a different theory. Because to me, the problem, too, is that is he a sociopath or is he a product of his environment? Because he is, you see where he's growing? He's growing up in this awful, abusive family where everything is awful except his mom, but she's making poor choices (laughs) <laughs> and it, but it's very like, well, are you giving me a sociopath that's irredeemable or are you giving me a, like a little boy who is being driven to this because of his uh, what he's growing up in? But you felt differently about that. I don't know if I felt differently about it. Um, I will I will uh, agree with um, with Mike. The original nothing. Nothing can compare, in my opinion, to the original Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. It is a yeah. masterpiece. There is a reason it created an entire subgenre yeah. of horror right. that spawned exactly. so many movies and made so much money for so many different people. It is people. still one of the most successful films of all time. Because yeah, it is exactly. just so yeah. good. Now, I was, I will admit, terrified when I heard that Rom Zombie was going to remake it. Because <laughs> uh, by this point, I had seen House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, I had paid perfectly good American currency. <laughs> <laughs> to, to sit and watch House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I'm so not sure why. And be screamed at for 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> when I hear he's remaking Halloween, I'm like, well, there's no way I'm going to see that. But then all of the things I started hearing is he is using the music. He cast Malcolm McDowell so he understands yeah. how important Loomis is. Mm-hmm. Um, he cast Daniel Harris. He cast Daniel Harris, who is just awesome and wonderful, mm-hmm. and I love her. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, so I'm going to go see this with my brother, and I went to see it. And I don't and I don't hate Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. I don't hate it. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't love it. I mean, I'm not going to go back to it and watch it again and again and again. But <laughs> what, what I, I think I think – um, and if I talk, were to ever meet Zombie, I, I don't know that I'd want to talk to him about his movies. Um, <laughs> but if I, could meet him, if I could limit him to just one topic, it would be just to get him to confirm what I think was his idea here, which was his way of saying, OK, the original Halloween, Michael just suddenly becomes a killer out of nowhere. And that's really awesome. And that's really spooky. And that's really scary. I'm not going to do that because in the real world, that is that doesn't happen. Yeah. The killer's don't just happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. They they are made. They are not just created. And so I'm going to show you how I think this uh, young boy could become this by growing up in this horrifying, abusive, toxic environment and therefore becoming a sociopath. Right. I, I think that is what he was going for. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that I love it um, or that I think it is – uh, worthy of or mm-hmm. comparison or whatever to Carpenter's, but it is just it's just something that is different to me. For for what that's worth, I think that was what he was going for. Mm. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that like he's going for, and what's you know, it's funny that we're talking about these two movies because I think they both do this exact thing where they're like, let's really get into how this would really be, 
And like, mm. and with both of them, I'm like, I don't want to see how it'd be really be. I want to see my fun horror movie. <laughs> like, it's like, they're both like, let's sap all the entertainment value out of it and punish you for liking this in a way. <laughs> the black, it's taking the black and white out of it. Right, exactly. And that's true. And that's real. And I, I agree that I so agree that like in the real world, then that's definitely what he's going for. I agree with Brandon. Like, like that's, that's what he's going for is that in the real world, they are a mix of, you know, a kid, it could be like, Oh, I'm harming animals. And then that's a warning sign. And you, you, you intervene and you work with that kid. But if you're in that environment and it's abuse also, then that kid is going to just learn to be a monster. You know what I mean? And so that is like, I guess well rendered here. I mean, it's, it's not well rendered. It's rendered. It's rendered. Here. <laughs> but Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, that is not, for me, what I go to these movies for, I want to like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to have fun, which is maybe not great <laughs> on my part. But it's a really good point. And I think it's because that is the the point of horror is usually that you you want to be taken somewhere. You want to be made, made to feel a certain way. And I think it's a really sharp thing in kind of both of these films. What they do is they kind of make you feel a little guilty for that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I feel like totally, especially in the next one, you're like, oh boy, like I feel really bad about this whole situation. Yeah. Or maybe I don't. Tell me right. which way I'm supposed to feel because right, you know, exactly. haven't decided as a filmmaker. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's, I think, you know, okay, so we talked about the origin thing, which is so much of this movie. It's that so kid, by And the way, it was going to be job. more. There are, was I don't know, it? you guys have the DVD, so there might, you might have watched some of the deleted scenes. You don't have to. Uh, there's probably an entire, like, hour and a half of footage that oh, doesn't make God. it. Of nothing but Sherry Moon zombies. <laughs> Sherry Moon zombies. <laughs> that's right. Her butt. Yeah, no, that whole 20 minutes, I just kept going, and that's the origin of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, Oh, I should say also, so we, oh, yeah. last year when I watched it, I didn't realize it, but I was watching the director's cut, which I didn't, I, then when you guys picked it, I was like, oh fuck, I'm going to have to watch all that rape shit again. You know what I mean? Like I was so upset. And then we texted you and we were like, wait, there's a theatrical cut, there's a director's cut. And you were like, not the one with all the rape stuff. And it was like, oh, thank God. Which because, oddly enough is in the director's cut. Thanks. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's like, this is the stuff I really want to get to. Um, uh, so I was uh, feeling really happy when I, I was feeling really good when we watched it again, because I was like, oh, this is a breeze without that. <laughs> 20 minute scene kids and dead animals that's yeah, nothing exactly with these two orderlies like raping a woman in the Ugh. mental asylum like it was for fucking, some reason yeah, yeah. fucking terrible very anyway. much a for some reason and it's one of the cases <laughs> where sometimes producers can be correct right exactly. saying, I don't know if the theatrical like, audience hey, wants this hey yeah. Robert let's, come here let's talk let's talk about this thing for a minute Robbie baby <laughs> yeah Robbie baby Bobby baby Bobby baby Bobby baby Bobby Oh man, now I'm thinking about company starring Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, with oh god, who would sing Ladies Who Launch? It would have to be oh, wow. like D. Wallace Stone, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Leslie Easterbrook would be a good one, yeah. Maybe Karen. Nash. The other thing I'll say about this, because okay, I didn't I didn't hate this. I feel very neutral about it. Like I feel very like sure. Uh, you know, I, I, like it's not, it, I wasn't like, yeah, that was a great horror film. I also wasn't like, man, that was so terrible, especially, spoiler alert, after watching the other movie, <laughs> I was like, mm, in comparison. Uh, 
But I do, I, the thing, and I think this is just a me thing, there were parts that were genuinely kind of funny, but there wasn't enough funny in it for me. Like the part where um, the the janitor walks in and he's killed all of the people in the asylum and he like turns and sees the dead bodies and he goes, <gasps> I literally did a spit take. <laughs> He gasped so loudly and I was and like clutched his pearls and I lost it. <laughs> but I wanted there to be more like moments like that. I don't yeah. know. Well, I think Danny Trejo, who plays the Janet, that's yeah. What, yeah. yeah. He like did a great job and yeah. really made me feel things in yeah. this movie. Because he's yeah. He's the highlight of the movie. <laughs> Yeah. So I love Danny Trejo and fun random con- uh, convention aside. I went to a horror convention once. He was a guest there and he he like was just like walking by. He he is about my height. He is very tiny, which I think is also why he's cast because it makes Michael look even bigger, which is smart filmmaking. Bobby Zombie really does. Yeah. yeah. But um, Rob, Zom- uh, Rob Zombie, Danny Trejo like bumped into my friend accidentally. Like he was just walking by and like bumped into her and he stopped and he was so apologetic that Aww. it was just the most ridiculous, like, my God, what a ridiculously polite, nice man. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I just, anytime I see him, I'm like, oh, he said sorry when he hit into somebody. What a nice guy. <laughs> hey, Danny Trejo, have a good career. It's a low bar for men, guys. It's a low <laughs> bar. Pointed out something that I think is very important that I don't think yeah. it really occurred to me, which is that by murdering Danny Trejo's character, who is the only person who has been good to him, mm-hmm. that... I think is an important step to removing any sympathy we might have for Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Undoing all of that backstory. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. We, you know what we, you know, we saw what you came from kid, but I mean, if you're going to kill this guy who was never anything but good to you while he's begging you and screaming, I was Mm -hmm. good to you. I was good to you. And you brutally, brutally, brutally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That shows us, well, okay. You are beyond sympathy. Yeah. 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 You are yeah, that's that's exactly it. I think that like Rob Zombie like knows what he's doing when he does that stuff. Like he's he ex- exactly he's like, "Okay, you know, we're going to give you this much sympathy for him, but then we're you know, we're going to show you where he makes these choices and stuff like that." He it's he's just, watched horror movies. And I think yeah. that's something you see with him. I think it's something you also see with James Wan. Uh yeah. is you watch their movies and they do things like have characters turn on the lights. And yes. like just little touches where you're like, oh, right, because you spent your life watching movies and saying, oh, wait, as soon as Jason didn't kill the kid, now I'm not scared of Jason anymore. So yeah. I'm going to make sure Michael Myers kills Danny Trejo. Like, yeah. it, right. it's it, like we, we had a friend who said this once of with Rob Zombie. Every time you go to see a Rob Zombie horror film, you're like. He's going to do it this time. I think he's going to do it. I want him to do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because he, you know that he came from a background of loving horror and like slow, eventually becoming a filmmaker. And you want him to make that great horror film. And yes. this was said to us probably 10 years ago. Uh, and since then, I think we can all agree that he hasn't done it. I think he's he's not gonna he's not gonna do it. Oh, I have more faith than you. I like Lord of Salem more than you did. He's not gonna do it. I Lord no did not care for it. <laughs> I've only seen Halloween and Halloween two of his oeuvre. Right, so. well, You've seen Halloween two. As far as I know, <laughs> so you have seen Halloween two. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, sorry yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> I think I like it more than Halloween 1 just because it's weird. It's, oh, it's so weird. weird. The problem with Halloween 2 is you're watching that movie. The problem? There's many problems. But here's the thing. No, no, no. I say the problem because if he had done one thing differently, it would have made that entire movie worth it. I still don't know. Which is you realize at some point you're like, Michael can't be doing all of this. This can't yeah. be real. I think yeah. this is happening inside a character's mind. And yeah. if he had, or I think this character is actually doing it. And if he had committed to that, which I think he wanted to, and I think my theory is that producers told him he couldn't, but if he had gone that route, the movie would have made sense. It would have been a, whoa, and it would have maybe whoa. been a, okay. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I went to see the sequel in the theater as well, because I was like, okay, where are we, where are we going here? And when the first thing on the screen is a title card explaining your symbolism. Yeah. The first thing on the screen in this movie is a fake quote, quote from yes. one of the characters. It's a quote from Dr. Loomis. Yes. The first thing I was like, what is this Loomis quote? And for a second I was like, I was like, is, is Dr. Loomis like a real person? Right, exactly. <laughs> I want that movie. Yeah, it's I was so, so confused. Weird. It's so weird. And then it's followed very quickly by William Forsyth trying to see how many times he can use the word bitch in one minute. Yeah. And, he just yeah. Shut, and that's the thing, watching it as soon as we started, because I mean, again, it had been 10 years plus since I'd watched it. And the first, like, two minutes in the movie, I'm like, oh, crap. I forgot how much this is. <laughs> yes, right, that, so uh, yeah, much. Again, exactly. exactly. I, I don't, like, I'm not, like, a delicate flower. But that whole, that like, the whole kitchen scene where they're, he's, like, oh, talking about his, like, teenage daughters. Like, oh, yeah. bleh, bleh, bleh. It's like, she's got tits for days or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I'll skull fuck you. Like, it's, like. Yeah, it was like, a okay, lot. All right, all right, we get it. We <laughs> get it, man. skull fuck in the first two minutes of your movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're edgy, yeah. Um, oh, man. So Lori doesn't show up till 49 minutes in. I clocked it, which is... I, it, so in the first, in the original Halloween, the whole, young Michael stuff is just that opening opening credit sequence. So you're like three minutes max, maybe? Um, oh, yeah. We, 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 get all, to, we get to present day pretty darn yeah. quick. Yeah, exactly. And with this one, it's like... Almost half the movie before Lori shows up. Two hour and ten minute movie. Right. <laughs> oh, so long. It's so long. Guys, so long. <laughs> Very sorry. Yeah, unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, the actress who plays Lori and, like, those, her friends and stuff are, I think, pretty good. Yeah. They don't, you know, they have to, like, Rob, there's, there's a thing where he's writing these teenage girls to just always be, like, fake having sex. Like, they're, they're always, like, like making orgasm noises and like stuff. to their parents <laughs> even yeah exactly and it, it, it like it kills me because i think that is one of the best things about carpenter's halloween is that those scenes the girls are written by deborah hill yes so the right, dialogue exactly. feels like teenage girls and they are clever and they're fun and i want to hang out with them right. and in this one i think the actresses are fine i think daniel harris is the treasure of this movie i love her yeah. um i think they're doing everything they can but it's Girls don't talk like that. Right. I wasn't a teenager don't. in 2005. Maybe they were talking like that. I don't think. I don't. I don't think they're talking like that, especially to one another. There's a possibility that that's like a facade they're putting on for boys, um, but certainly not to when it's the three of them together. That's right. not what we're talking about. No, 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 no. 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 It's not. It's like know your no. limits. That's the <laughs> thing that kills me about so many of these movies when you have like. 
men writing women or men writing teenage girls, which mm. presumably they do not have a close relationship with. Um, so well, and, and I don't think Rob Zombie does. I think Rob Zombie is, as we know, very devoted to Cherry Moon Zombies, but I think we, we know that. that. Yes. That's all he cares about. That is the most, his number one is Cherry Moon Zombies, but his number two is horror. And number three right. is the word Skullfuck. I don't know. But, yes. but yeah, it just kills me because it's, I, I think that the casting is fine. I think the girls are great, but they don't get to really feel like real people. And that's something I think yeah. he does do better in Halloween 2, believe it or not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is an interesting aspect of the film is where Laurie goes and what her relationship with Daniel Harris is and all right. this stuff. Which is something about the sequel that I absolutely love. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it yeah. makes, there are things in the sequel that I think are good filmmaking and interesting filmmaking, but it's just loaded or tucked away in such a terrible movie. Yeah, exactly. In this, yeah, in this one, you see, like, I think you see Colonel's. I don't think this is a terribly made film. I think there is some really good filmmaking here. I just think the overall thing is just something that is not fun to watch. It's yeah. not fun to watch, exactly. And, yeah, it's not fun. And there's, there's definitely a lot about his style Again, choices were made. He went for it. He really went for it. I don't know that they were great choices. There were, sh- there, like, I just remember there being shot, like, close up shots, but at weird angles for no reason. Like, why do we have to look at Michael Myers' feet so much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of in your face edginess. Yes. Yeah. And, and there, the thing that was driving me nuts <laughs> is he kept doing this thing that I love in a horror film. And the movie that does it absolutely to perfection is The Strangers, where... We talk about The Strangers and Session 9. That's it. It's like the only movies we talk about on this podcast. No, but seriously, but seriously. It's the the shot of a scene, and there's a creepy person in the background that you don't notice until halfway through. They're not doing anything except standing there silently. And it's fucking terrifying. And he keeps doing that, but it's accompanied by weird, like, alien keyboard sound. So it's completely ineffective. And I'm like, what are you doing? No, <laughs> <Yeah>. you're so close. <laughs> yeah, the early it's 2000s just... was not a good time for scoring horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're yeah. supposed to be scared. Boing. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of those jump scare kind of things in here. There's a lot of just, like, uh, oh, okay. I will say that Brad Dourif and Clint Howard... And Malcolm McDowell. That's like a real murderer's row of character actors. <laughs> well, and that's something I love about Rob Zombie is that he loves the same actors I do. And he clearly yeah, wants, yeah. like he gives Ken Foray work from Dawn of the right. Dead. Right. And he, yeah. he just, he's like, hey, I like this person in this movie. I wonder if they'll do this one for me. And he calls them and they're right. like, yeah, sure, I'll work for a day. And Brad yeah. Dourif's great in this and he's even better in the sequel. Brad Dourif is great in this and not doing like creepy Brad Dourif. That he usually gets cast in, like he's you know this worm worm tongue yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's usually like he's usually so you know he just gets cast as like a dude essentially, <laughs> and it's it's I love that. Yeah. And Malcolm McDowell has fun in this movie. Yes, yeah. there was a there was a IMDb trivia thing that was apparently he he was the one making everyone break on set because he just kept like fucking around. There's a thing <laughs> in the very end, so they leave you know spoiler alert whatever they leave. They think they've killed Michael Myers by shooting him in a in a Several abandoned times swimming pool. In a pool. Um, and then I think this is where this moment happens. They get in the car mm. and he comes back and like pulls people out of the car and whatever. Yeah. And Malcolm McDowell has a 
what the hell? <laughs> He, he like, goes, yeah, he crashes the window and pulls Laurie out of the yeah, yeah. car. And he just says, what the hell? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. What the hell? <laughs> Amazing. I do. My last note that I wrote down is in all caps. And it just says, why would he not just kill her? Ugh. And I don't know what that is. But is I it guess to Lori? It, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, like I think. I'm confused about why he went back for Laurie and what was the, like, I, like, uh, like, it's not that it's uh, uh, too intellectual for me, but it just, it, it feels like, I don't know that everyone working on this film knows why Michael didn't just go and kill her. Do you know I, what I mean? It's, I, maybe, maybe there's a reason, maybe there's not. I mean, you're right. We're never really given, I mean, he seems to feel tenderness toward mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Because when he takes her down, when he first gets her, he, you know, he takes her down into the cellar and he shows her the picture and then he just kneels in front of her and takes the mask off. Right. And right. it's, there's that moment of, and I think she even says to him, I don't understand. Well, she uh, does not which, which remember. I, which I think, because she has no idea who he is. In this right. first she movie, doesn't she clue. doesn't know. No clue yeah. whatsoever yeah. what his relationship is. And she's saying, I don't understand. And maybe the rest of us are too. <laughs> um, I don't think it's, I mean, in, in the, in the original film, the Carpenter's film, it's just very clear, you know, he killed one sister and now he's coming after the other one. Right. Uh, although in that first film, we don't know that she's a sister. Right. That's, uh, right. that's not until Halloween too. Well, in, the first one, in the first film. Uh, yeah. But in the first one, he's out, just yeah, killing yeah. babysitters. Yeah, he's just yeah. killing babysitters. Uh, yeah. and, and, but so we know, we don't ever actually find out what it is that he wants from her, what it is that he is trying to do, if he's trying to complete a family unit, or you're the only person I ever gave a damn about. I mean, that's I what mean. I took it as, because even yeah. I mean, in the opening, when he's a kid, he is good to his sister. He clearly loves her. She, you know, is a baby and she smiles when, when he's near and he never, you know, he's stabbing his other sister. He's, you know, willing to kill his mother at a certain point. It seems like he would if he was in a room alone with her. But the only, whenever he's with uh, Boo, he is, that is the one time you see him being tender. And again, it goes to the control thing maybe because she's the one that doesn't try to get anything out of him. And I yeah. think when he comes back, I think he's just, he's trying to make that connection of, look, it's me, it's your brother. And it's weird to me in this movie, and I'd forgotten that it's not until like halfway through Halloween 2, spoiler Halloween 2, that movie's <laughs> for an hour, Lori doesn't actually know that she is uh, Baby Myers. Like she right. finds out after Malcolm McDowell publishes a book, and that's a weird choice. Right, like, yes, like, that's right. Because how do you, first of all, how do you survive this entire thing and like, then they never do re- like any kind of digging to say, oh, here's why he killed your step, your adopted parents. Right. Way, they were your adopted parents. Um, and I think it's just a weird, cause you're watching it and you don't, you, you're not remembering that she doesn't know who she is in that scene because we know who she is so clearly that yeah. it's just a messy choice. I think yeah. maybe there was a cut scene somewhere. Um, I mean, we know there's a lot of cut scenes and maybe there was something to make that hit more, but I think it's, I, I think I know what he was getting at, but the movie doesn't give enough to really make it make sense. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. All right. Halloween. Halloween. We did it. Are you guys excited for the next Halloween? Did you like the last one? Uh, no and yes. And I am, <laughs> I am more... That's the... Okay, I, I didn't like the last one. I, I think it had moments. I think there were some very funny choices in there. Yeah. But overall, I was so bored. I thought it went on way too long. Yeah. And so the idea I, of like another one was... 
I just, yeah, I just remember being very angry when I left that because, and I don't remember what it is, but I just remember it was one of those where it's like, if you had just done this, it would have solved all of the problems. <laughs> and I don't remember what that was. And now but. you think it's done when it's so clearly not done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I love it. Um, yeah. I did enjoy it, but, but I'm done. I don't, yeah, I'm done. I don't, I don't. I don't need another. I don't want another one because they got me like that once before. I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed H two O. We disagree on this. But yeah, I mean, we, so we won't, I respect not, it, but, but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, we could have been. That was one of the They got they got me once before, which is they made H two O and I enjoyed it. And then they made the sequel, and I said, a "Sequel? I don't know. Why would you make a sequel? Oh, but Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, so it's got to be good. Oh, um, it's about. I know the where this internet. is going, and I was wrong. <laughs> Well, she's in it for like 30 seconds at the beginning, and right? And then she's dead. So, yeah. uh, no, no, thank you. But it's I'm, about the internet. I'm, I'm finished. I, I enjoyed the 2018 Halloween. I love I loved Jamie the Curtis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You um, didn't love Buster Rhymes uh, karate kicking Trick Michael Myers out of a window? <laughs> no, I, 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 didn't, I didn't care for that. Tyra Banks turned <laughs> off screen. One of the biggest Tyra Banks, I right? I oh, my God. Didn't care for that movie's anymore. horrendous. Yikes, yikes, yikes. <laughs> okay, um, is it... Available. Oh, I didn't look this up. Hold it on. is because we watched it via streaming. <laughs> it's rentable, yeah. Right. Hold on. This I'm is, supposed to look this, this part up. This is Mike's job, you guys. This is I, I edit the whole thing. I put it up on the website. I run the Instagram, which is arguably more popular than the Twitter. He Not has, arguably, he it's a numbers. There's you can jobs, look at the numbers. It's definitely more popular. And this is one of them, and I just I uh, if you want to stream it for well, you can't stream it for, you. If you have AMC Plus, Does you can anybody stream it. have AMC Plus? No. no. Or if you have FX Now, you can stream it. But that's it. Otherwise, you have to buy it online. Gotcha. Amazing. Hey, a question for you. Hey, an answer What's for you. The connection. The connection between these two movies. So Danny Trejo, aforementioned, beloved, a tiny man. A tiny kind man, Danny Trejo, who we all love. A big heart, yes. Um, He and uh, Clancy Brown, who I love, character actor Clancy Brown, wonderful man. uh, They appeared together in the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run in 2020. Because Clancy Brown does the voice of Mr. Krabs. Okay. And Danny Trejo played the devil in that movie. Amazing. So these two movies are connected by that. I'm sure there's another connection I'm not thinking of, but... No, that's perfect. That's a good one. All right, our next movie is A Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010, directed by Samuel Bayer. The IMDb summary is the specter of a disfigured man haunts the children of the parents who murdered him. Spoiler alert. Stalking and killing them in their dreams. Well, that's true. Sure. Sure. Fine. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, we just covered the original one on the podcast a few we weeks did. ago. Did yeah. And and uh, now we're doing this one. I don't know. Look, uh, Samuel Bayer has not directed a single other movie. Really. But he's like a music video and commercial director. He did the like oh. Smells Like Teen Spirit video. That's his big thing. 
Okay. Um, Which you can see of, in this movie. I feel like yes, the like, totally. grainy um, actual like cinematography was like, did he just do the Nirvana video again? Yeah. <laughs> it totally makes sense that they would, that you would hire yeah. a music video director. Well, and for, some have been great. I mean, you know, I mean, David Fincher was a music video director. Yeah, like, And exactly. a lot of other horror films have very often, like it's the, a visual eye. It's, the only one of the remakes that I think is, an, is excellent and, I'll start an argument if we must. Was the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, oh, I haven't seen that one. I thought oh. I of all of them, of the ones that I've seen, the remakes from it's the one aughts, of the better ones. I think it's the only one that's worth a damn. Wow! Uh, and the guy who directed it, Marcus Nispel, was a music got his start in music videos. Yeah, he is actually yeah. the only reason I saw the Friday the Thirteenth remake, <laughs> which is not so uh, because he directed. Oh, that. I just watched that. Yeah, he, he directed, directed that terrible. too. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, don't hold that against him. Texas Chainsaw remake is. Excellent. And the Conan the Barbarian remake is too. Which I That's also see. him. It's fun. <laughs> it's stupid in the best of ways. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Um, all right. Fun, okay. Uh, funnily enough, my first note for this movie is, what is the point of this remake? <laughs> <laughs> because I suddenly, it's, we started it and I was suddenly like, yeah, this there's a whole slew of, of remakes of, of these films and I, I'm just not quite sure why like i guess with the with halloween rob zombie like you said was trying to 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 tell a different story with it. yeah you give it to rob zombie that's someone who's gonna do something who with brings it. it right on. yeah yeah well, and then this one i was like is it to like update it and that like i was like oh is it gonna be you know cell phones and the internet you know <laughs> very much the thing because when you when you look at all the remakes that came out there's and I mean, you have some, and I'm going to say that my bloody Valentine remake is the other one that is that is good and that's made for a point. Oh. And at the time, the point was 3D. What do we do with 3D in a horror film? Oh, and they do a lot right. with it. And it doesn't feel like it was made to be a franchise. It felt like it was here's an exercise in doing this. What do we get out of it? Mm-hmm. And whereas I think this this remake, the problem with it, I uh, see. I I feel the same way after watching this that I did 15 years ago or 10 years ago when I watched it, which is. This is not a good movie. <laughs> there could have been a good movie made with everything in here. Um, there are elements in here that are interesting, that are have good ideas, but it is so clear that this is a movie that got butchered as it was being made of nobody agreed on anything. Nobody knew what right. to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is they wanted this to be a franchise. This yeah. was the reboot yeah. that was supposed to relaunch Freddy. That uh, Fre- Jackie Earl Haley was signed up for three movies. Rooney oh, wow. Mara was contracted for two movies, which is hilarious. Yeah. Because I, A, I think she's one of the worst things in this movie. I despise her performance <laughs> so much. But more importantly, one of the, re- the reason I can't stand Rooney Mara is that she is. Um, Look, I get it. Actors are people, and they're going to have opinions, and that's great. You can have opinions. <laughs> but she gave an interview, like, right after Girl with the Dragon Tattoo came out, where so it was like, oh, famous Oscar-nominated Rooney Mara, let's talk about your early career. You did an episode of Law & Order where, you know, that was a very stupid one. You did this mm-hmm. horror movie. What do you have to say about that? And she was so dismissive of everything about it where she said, this movie almost made me quit acting, which, honestly, I kind of understand. But also, <laughs> she said, like, oh, I think it's terrible. I knew it was going to be terrible. I don't know. I when I when Even at my audition, I was like, damn it. I know I got this part, and I shouldn't do it. 
Oh. Why did you do the movie? Why did you do the fucking movie? Just walk <laughs> away and give it to somebody else. Because right. next to her are some good young actors. Kyle Gallner yeah. is great in this movie. Yeah. The actress yeah. who plays not Tina, I can't remember her character's name, but I just call her not Tina because she's Tina from the first film, but not yeah. sure. But she's not Tina. Um, mm. She's great. I, I think like, oh, I feel for her. I care for her. Rooney Mara in this movie, she starts at a two and she ends at a two. She yeah. is so miserable on she is She is a void. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and why does she have to be? She's Nancy. Now, she should be Now, I, I mean, Heather Langenkamp is never going to win an Academy Award Oscar, but she's a no, but billion she, times better yeah. than yeah. Mara because mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp does something that it is often very difficult to do in an 80s slasher movie is she makes us actually care what happens to her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. cheer for her when she wins, and ultimately be very, very sad when she yeah. dies. Yeah, and she's a she's vulnerable, and she's kind of like like a teenager, not like yeah. a you know an actress. I don't know. Like a, a weird way. I, I don't know. I'm just gonna go and draw because I'm dark and I'm a waitress. <laughs> I'm a so waitress moody. in the first scene that has nothing to do with anything else that happens in the movie because I'm never in that diner again. Like, yeah. It, oh, yeah, she's a waitress. I forgot. Right. Sure. She's a waitress who apparently works every weekend. That's the right. first conversation right. she has with that dude. With Kellen Lutz. <laughs> well, here's, okay, here's a weird thing. Because you told me that we saw this, which is very funny. <laughs> We've seen this movie before, yeah. Because I have, I have, and listen, maybe it's just because I'm old, but I have zero recollection. I feel like with the most films, I can at least go, oh, yeah, I know I saw that. Or and but with most things, it's like I know where I was, what I was eating, what I was wearing. Was it cold? Was it hot? Like I know how it felt to watch that film. This I got nothing, and I'm furiously googling as it started. I was like, had Twilight come out? Like I was trying to prove you wrong. Like because where Twilight, you were when this came right, out? Because Twilight had come out, so I would have been like, hey, that's Kellen Lutz from Twilight, and I didn't remember that he was in this film. You're telling me that Kellen Lutz is a thing you would have remembered? In, yeah. In, like 10 by years later? By the time this came out, there were two Twilight movies. And I fucking love Kellen Lutz in the Twilight movies. Those movies are not good. But he is incredible. Well, who's <laughs> Kellen Lutz? Is that <laughs> Great question. Perfect question. <laughs> he's the also first, my question. He's the first guy to die. Okay, he's the not Rod. No, no, not there is no not Rod. Yeah, but he's like I know this extra, extra yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah. He's in the diner and he's, he's in the like, diner. He's the one that stabs himself but in the so he, He's the one who jabs a knife into his neck to the hilt. To the hilt! And then drags it across. We got a movie Jesus. here. Like, the opening scene's not That is bad. true. That yeah, is true. Yeah. In the beginning, I was like, oh, maybe. It is, it's so funny that they were like, oh, we're going to pull a Drew Barrymore here and we're going to get this big name mm. and kill them in the first scene. Kellen Lutz. And 10 and years then, later, I'm sitting here saying, wait, what's, what's, what's a Kellen yeah, Lutz? What's a Kellen Lutz? But I know who Kellen Lutz is. I know, because Twilight, I know. Because of Twilight. I know, we're out of touch. Anyway, the point is, I have zero recollection of watching this movie. Even having watched it again, I'm, I still got nothing. Right. <laughs> nothing. It doesn't demand much. So yeah. much, but much, much like Halloween, the big takeaway mm. for me, anyway, was, okay, we're, we're going to do 45 minutes of Michael Myers as a kid or whatever it is. In this one, the big takeaway is we're going to abandon the idea that Freddy was a child murderer. 
which we talked about on the podcast that we did, which was so funny because if you watch the original, they're like, oh, yeah, there was this guy, Freddy Krueger. He killed 20 kids. And it's like that would be the biggest story in America if that and they. they but anyway, regardless. Well, well, but it, and it's also weird because for the first film, he was going to be a molester. It was that he molested 20 kids and they decided it was too dark. Right. Not in 2010. Maybe. Not in 2010. Not in 2010, too dark for 2010. The big thing they did was make it so that. He's a child rapist. Yes. And that these are his victims. Or is he? Which oh, is the draft Nobody of the is. movie that you know exists, and I have a theory. Yeah. My theory is that the original screenplay, Freddie was innocent, Clancy Brown was actually the bad guy, and and I will I we you mentioned Cancel Clancy Brown before. It gets a little bit um, uncomfortable here when we talk about Clancy Brown because he's one of my number one crushes. Oh, okay. Dear. okay. I love that. Sexy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. But you're well, watching fine. this he has, movie. He has overcome his hideous facial deformity to become a <laughs> actor. Also, wouldn't he have been a better Freddy? Anyway. A million percent. Yeah. He's even so good. Um, but that I think you're watching this movie and it is very clear that there was a draft where Freddy was innocent. Right. And maybe where it was Clancy like a Bra- satanic panic thing, like yes. where they were, yeah, where exactly. the kids really did basically damn this man. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, that's an interesting movie, and I know what happened because everybody that watches this movie still hates that the movie even dangles that in front of you. Yeah, I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of it, and I think if they had gone that route, they would have told a different story, and you could have made. Fr- I mean, Freddie is still somebody then that kills innocent teenagers. Right. But then there is this Candyman element of it of, oh, but see, we made the monster. We made this man what he is. It's our fault. What do we do? I don't know. Do we pay for our parents' sins? Like, there's stuff there. Right. And instead, yeah. they just As, ran out like, oh, shit, no, 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 just make him guilty. Let's, let's walk just away. Just make him guilty. And here's the scene where she's looking at the Polaroids, and then he's super rapey in yeah, the end. Like, yeah. But the, the, thing, the thing about that, too, is that the reason what you're saying makes sense is that the the kid whose name I forget, who is the one who's like, I think we made it up. Like, I think we were you know, five. We would have said we anything. Five. We would. Yeah, we were five. We would have said anything. Exactly. That's his line. He that comes from nowhere. Yes. He doesn't. There's no reason he said he thinks that. And then it goes away just as quickly. The minute. I mean, obviously, he finds the Polaroids to prove. But anyway, sorry. Wait, well, and I also just feel like it's it's slipped in there. And it, it, OK, it's slipped in there as this way of of uh villainizing the parents more and and making it like like oh my god did they make a horrible mistake and i'm like you don't need that it's still not okay that they burned this man alive <laughs> do you know what i mean and like you know we don't have to get into talks of like death penalty or whatever but like no matter what he did these people it's not like martial law like what that's not how the world works guys and that's why i think like you don't write Clancy Brown's character to be such a big part of it, but he's not a big part of it. Like there are, Mm -hmm. he has a lot of scenes and then they don't go anywhere. Right. You never get back to him in the end. You never like, sure. You get the, um, uh, coach Tammy Taylor's wife, uh, Tammy. I can never remember her name. Connie Britton. Connie Britton. Britton. Good here. Good here. Good here. Connie Britton. You get like the, I can't even remember which ending it is because there's multiple endings, but like you get the ending of her being taken away, Mm -hmm. but it, like, it doesn't matter. Like, Clancy Brown's character doesn't matter in the movie. And when you're trying to tell a a tight horror film, you don't leave loose ends like that if you're doing it the right way. Right. And, I mean, I this, think the you're screenwriter exactly right. on this, yeah. um, 
again, I think there's like multiple screenwriters, but the primary guy is the guy that wrote Arrival, I think. Like, Arrival, he's a real yeah, I saw that, yeah. And you know, yeah. you're like, he didn't turn in a shit script. Like, this, this right. could have been, I've never read the original script. I don't think it's out there. But mm-hmm. I think there was a good movie here. It's going come on screen. Yeah, yeah there's there's potential there for sure. And I, and I do think it's interesting to to take it and go back to, um, you know, making him um, someone who molested a bunch of kids. I think that's more, I mean, like, in a horrible way, obviously. I hope I don't have to say that, but it's more interesting than, like you said, he murdered 20 kids. That would be like... The biggest story, there's no, you wouldn't be able to hide that, but this thing they do with... And it also justifies them murdering him if he murdered yes, them. Whereas yes. if he abused them, again, that's the a different murky. thing. <laughs> it's not yeah, not and, and, I, and I love the idea of uh, repressed memories. Like, I love that. Like, just as a general uh, theme or concept for a film, I think that's great. It wasn't done super well here, but right. <laughs> yeah, so, so I see what was happening there. It just didn't didn't quite get executed well. I hate the Freddy voice. I hate the voice. And Whoa. I like him. I think he is incredible in Little Children, but that he... They I mean, really you know that's why mark. he was cast in this, too. I mean... Yeah, I think so. His voice, I didn't care for. I also don't understand the makeup. Oh, the makeup. Because... Yeah. He looks like a bull terrier. He looks like Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't. Well, actually, to me, he looks like nothing. The makeup yeah. Takes, yeah. Away, takes away all of his facial expressions. This is a man who has an incredible face. Yeah. Right. His That's face true, exactly. is just, and there's a moment, I don't think I even mentioned this to you, there's a moment when we, we see the flashback to when they burn him alive, when Freddy comes running out of the burning building and we see a close-up of his face on fire, and yeah. I'm like, that, right there, yes. yeah. that yes. could have been the makeup design for Freddy Krueger, and then we still could have seen Jackie Earl Haley's face. Yeah. And yeah. it wouldn't have been completely hidden by this makeup that really isn't that great. Yeah. When because, you, yeah, I mean, okay, when, maybe it's what somebody looked like if they were burned, but I it think completely that's what they hides for. all of your facial expression. They tried to go for a real burn victim and apparently mm-hmm. realized, oh, we're not getting there. So let's just make it more monstrous. And then he doesn't get right. to act. Because then you can't see any facial expression. His face. Yeah. When yeah. you see him in those flashbacks, he does such a good job of being, like, sympathetic and, like... Like you know, in a way that's scary for a, a predator. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. a way that is really like uh, you're like, oh yeah, he's he's so good with kids yeah, he's and a all nice that predator. stuff. Yeah, right? And then, and then he does. I think it really backs up what you're saying about it with the original draft because he does that, and they leave it in where he says like, I didn't do this. Like I don't know what you're talking about. In a way that's like. Maybe this is the point and it makes it more complex, but like in a way that is fully believable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because Clancy Brown is running after him. But I think that um, the thing I wrote down about him and it's exactly what you're saying is like the the design has no personality to it. It's mm-hmm. kind of scary to look at. But, you know, Robert Englund, like that's all personality. This Freddy design doesn't have lips like he can't speak like yeah. there's no lips and then when he's he lipless. does speak they've done audio to his voice so he doesn't right. get to actually do his voice and yeah right. it's weird like as an actor that's got to be really frustrating yeah well and it's one of those things where where again this is uh the problem with remaking it in 2010 is oh we have all of this technology one of the great things about the original is the practical effects are incredible the him coming through the wall in that first film is truly terrifying and they did it again except it's cgi and it's like well what is you you know you can do it you're this is remaking. the height of bad and it looks, cgi and it, looked and a lot, oh. it looked a lot better than the original because 
it's a fabric wall, right? And a stuntman just pressed his face up against it. Exactly. Yeah. How but much did just, that cost compared to how much it costs to do the uh, the, the CGI? CGI? Exactly. So Which you've got this combination good. of 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 oh, we've got more uh, technicality with special effects. We've got more stuff with makeup. We've got oh, we can put this digital deepening and and reverb on his voice. And no, stop. Yeah, make just a movie. Do, <laughs> make a movie right. with actors and sets. Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Uh, oh, uh, I tell you, <laughs> it's not one thing; it's another. Yeah, I want to. I want to hit on on something. Uh, yeah, if I can. Um, I enjoyed listening to the two of you talk about the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I enjoyed that episode very much. Uh, so thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, I I don't think the original Nightmare on Elm Street is a particularly good movie. I don't remember I, where the two. I honestly, and at this point, I apologize. I don't remember where the two of you fell on that. Um, no, I think we we were kind of that way too. I, we're I, like, however, I respect this. I like some of it, but I think it is a fantastic idea. Yeah. For a movie, mm-hmm. um, I think it is a better idea than it is a movie because, and that I think is why it spawned so many sequels and so much. Mm-hmm. And also, you have the good fortune to find Robert England. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. this guy who was just a working working mm-hmm. actor, just a working stiff, just looking for his next paycheck, who just you, you, you capture lightning in a bottle with that. And one of the things that I maybe the only thing about this film that I appreciate is their effort is the attempt to make Freddy scary again mm-hmm. and villain mm-hmm. again. I don't know how much anyone. I won't go into it too in depth about the creation of that character for Wes Craven. He created, Russ Craven created Freddy Krueger out of a horrifying experience he had as a child, combined within a series of newspaper stories about teenagers who had nightmares so frightening they didn't want to go back to sleep again. And so in Wes Craven's mind, this horrifying experience he had as a child, combined with the, the series of newspaper stories, he's like, okay, there's a, that's, that, that's a movie. There's, there's, a, there's something here. The idea of this villain who can strike at you through your dreams. What a great idea. Well, yeah. And in your dreams, anything, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, and you, the, uh, Liza and Mike, you two pointed out very carefully, like the the dream horror that he really got in the first one about trying to run away and not being able to when she's trying to run up the stairs. Oh, yeah. Run up the and, stairs. And her feet yeah. are yeah. sinking into the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Craven, at least I, I don't know this for a fact, I don't think Craven was ever comfortable with how Freddy became a cartoon character. Definitely. And I think if you watch New Nightmare, I think yes. you really see how uncomfortable he was with that. Because there's the scene in New Nightmare when Robert England is Freddy and he's hamming it up in the studio with Nan, with Heller Langenkamp and there's the kids in the Freddy cost masks. And I think that's Wes Craven saying, no, 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 this is not what I wanted. And so yeah. I'll appreciate this movie's effort to make mm-hmm. to say, okay, this is a scary character again, but it's not Well, and when you bring in (laughs) the sexual abuse, which is something, again, like, was very clear. Yes, Wes Craven had it in the first film. It was like, oh, maybe not. In some ways, smartest decision he ever could have made. Right. Because had he actually been a child molester, you couldn't make Freddy 4, Freddy 3. You couldn't make a a rock video. You couldn't. I had a Freddy Krueger trapper keeper. Not trapper. It wasn't a real trapper keeper. It was a folder (laughs) that was a Freddy Krueger one. Like, you couldn't have that in the 90s if this character was actually such a Freddy Krueger trapper keeper is the most 80s. Oh, my God, I know. I want to find of words I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) But when. Like, and they went in that direction. And again, like, your mileage varies. For me, like, four is my favorite of the Freddy movies. It's the most high camp. It's not the 
I six is the most high camp, but it's very <laughs> high camp. The kills are ridiculous. It's very yeah. dream world. Um, and I understand anybody also looking at that and saying, but it's not scary because it's not, it's, it's gory. It's gooey. It's weird. Mm-hmm, um, right. and I, and that was something I remember defending about this movie when it came out was people saying, well, like even the dream sequences aren't exciting. Like they're not wacky. It's like, yeah, but they, they weren't in the first movie either. Like they were very tightly centered on, it wasn't, oh my God, I dreamt that I was in Hawaii. And then this man with a glove came and killed me. It was, I dreamt I was in school and I fell asleep during a test and all of a sudden he was there and I was in a boiler room. Right. And it makes Mm -hmm. sense. And I think in some ways the scariest thing about this movie, and I said this to you, was watching it and realizing, oh, if this was happening to me, fuck it. I'm just going to go to sleep. I can't. I said this. I I said this exact thing to to Liza. I was like, oh, I would just go to sleep and die. Like I would, because I I would not be able to. Yeah. Than right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is the genius of the whole thing is that you're like, you have how, to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so good. But I think that's, I think that what you guys are saying is, is exactly right. Like the, the balance between scary Freddy and fun Freddy is, and is, is the whole thing. And, and this movie would decided and you know to go full scary but then also it's the same as the it's the same as the halloween thing where it's like to go full scary and also no fun like it's hard to have well it's and hard you can to, you go know. full scary and be good but you have right. to be good it's, yeah. it, it's like a slow burn movie if a slow burn movie is great then it's the yeah. best movie you've seen if it's not it's the most boring movie you've seen right exactly and this one by trying to be scary and just not having any of the tools to do so it's just a slog and yeah. by and by leaving in so much of the well did he do it yeah. is he innocent by leaving in even as much of that as they did just muddies it and is confusing and is yeah. it's just it's it's just not it, it doesn't let you know how to feel which yeah. right and in a movie in a movie with a guy with uh, finger claws in your dreams it's like I, look i love ambiguity not in my friday the 13th yeah, movie not in my or, dumb sorry nightmare on elm street never always dumb street. slashers and let them be yeah. that yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I and I the final thing I'll say is just like the the sexual predator stuff is just like oh I just don't I just don't feel like watching this man like when he's like he's like you are always my favorite and your mouth says no but your body says yes I'm like oh uh, come on man yeah like, it's really it's really hard to watch and not in a, a thought provoking saying something way right. there is a it's deleted like, i don't know because you have the dvd so you might have gone through these i just watched them on youtube there is an alternate ending that oh. um it's interesting because what it is it's the same it's basically the same ending but it's done really differently and it's it starts with when he has nancy in the bed and it's a little bit worse because it's a little grosser mm. but it then when they turn when she pulls him out into the real world it's actually better because he gets to be Jackie Earl Haley. Like when he gets pulled out, he is um, uh, J- Jackie face, not CGI. Face. Oh, that seems so much better. Oh, whoa. And, sh- and you know, she beats him to death or however it ends. But when she does it, like it's actually like there is empowerment there where she's as she's beating him, she's saying like, I win your, you know, you have no power over me. All the others that that was labyrinth, but it's the same idea. Um, <laughs> and it's one where you're like, there was, I don't know. I'm sure there were reasons to use one versus the other, but it's like, oh wow, this little thing. Aside from if they cut the like, there's a little too much in the bedroom. But once they get to the showdown, 
it's like, oh, you you actually let Nancy be somebody finally in the end. Well, and I don't and, think you get that. And movie. we should, well, I mean, we should be cheering at that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it was Heather Langenkamp, we would be. Yeah. Or if it was right. Kyle Palmer. Yeah. If it was him, if he was the final girl in that movie, I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, it's sympathetic. It's, yeah, it's honestly hard to tell. I, that sounds way better, pulling him out and he's regular face. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of hard to tell whether the ending is so unsatisfying because of just the way it plays out or if it's Rooney Mara, uh, unfortunately not to like <laughs> shit too hard on Rooney Mara, but she truly is just, you know, you said that about her interview and I was like, Oh, that track, she did not want to be there at all. And it's like, listen, that's fine. You can be on a project and be like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know about this, but Either put your all into it or step the fuck aside because there are a million other people who would literally murder people to have a part like that. So what are you doing here? To bring it back to Clancy Brown, you will never see. Clancy Brown has been in some terrible movies. You will never see him not giving 110% in a movie. A million percent. (laughs) Pet Cemetery 2. He deserves an Oscar for that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. An Edward Furlong classic. Pet Cemetery 2. Get tweets. (laughs) Okay, is this available? You can watch it on HBO Max. You can watch it on Peacock. Oh you can watch it on AMC Plus. You can pay money for it if you want. It's everywhere. Wow, it's everywhere. You're you're not going to be wanting for a Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we have come to the point in the podcast where we have to choose. And as our guests, we we need your input. We need your input. What do you think? We have to get rid of one of these films. Which one are we getting rid of? So I have a thought. Do you want to go first? Oh, I'm happy to go first. Uh, <laughs> toss them both. <laughs> so, I, so to me, if you have to keep one, I think Halloween probably has more things worth, worth there. But I don't know that you ever want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. But if you toss them both, does that give you a... Can you, okay, no, more importantly, if you toss them both, does that mean Mike gets to run back to the mailbox and pull Ravenous out from where he dropped it? Because you should return Ravenous and trade Team it for Team Ravenous. Yeah. Thank Team you. Ravenous Thank right you. you. Yeah, MJ, MJ. Thank you. Oh, I love Ravenous. <laughs> oh, guys, listen, that wasn't my decision. We left that up to the fates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, that you don't like it. Is it, is it though? Yeah. It's okay. No. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I, I, I mean, what was the one recently where we got rid of both of them? Oh, it was The Graduate. And The Nanny Diaries. And The Nanny Diaries, <laughs> where it was like very, we were just like, we don't need either of these. <laughs> I don't necessarily feel the same about, about these two, but I also don't know that I have an opinion on which one we should keep. So I, last year, like, was like, I'm watching all these and I'm just going to create, like, I'm going to be a completist mm-hmm. physical media wise. Um... And so I have all of them. The, the Halloween, the Halloween one is part. Of, first of all, it has a sequel, so you can't like get rid of the one and not get rid of the. Then I mean, just, we did with the Matrix. Then just have Halloween two. Then we just have Halloween two. What are we doing with our lives? But you get rid of that. Then, yeah, you know what? That's a great point. <laughs> um, but uh, and it's part of the box set the Blu-ray box set that I got, that's all the Halloween movies. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we should keep, and plus, as we've said, like it has its flaws, not a huge fan, but it does like, it's doing something. 
yeah. in a way that the Nightmare on Elm Street is aggressively like trying not to do something. Yes. That is annoying. So I think that we're keeping Halloween. Yeah. As a study of horror films, it's like, it's better to have the original Halloween and the remake Halloween. There's something to compare there. Whereas the, these nightmares, it's it's like, like, well, of the two, you, you have the first. Halloween has a vision behind it. Whereas nightmare does not. Right. Exactly. So if you're going to keep one, yeah, if you're going to keep one, keep Halloween. All right. We're keeping Halloween. Keeping Halloween. I love it. Rob Zombie. You've done it again. I love it. I don't know. Bobby (laughs) baby. (laughs) all right well thank you so much nightmare on elm street you didn't quite make the cut um you're out of (laughs) here you're out of here to rooney mara can you like somehow have it (laughs) like in a box it's gonna go to her house like wrap it really nicely she's gonna like Oh, what's this? It's from your number one fan, and she <laughs> opens it. And she's like, "Motherfucker!" When she gets here, what can you see this shit? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Brandon and Emily, thank you guys so much again. This was amazing and lovely. Thank, thank you, you and we're sorry. No, no, this yeah. was incredible. If we do it again. You guys got to pick better movies. Come on. I would tell you what your other choices were, except she spilled water on the list, so it's longer. Okay. <laughs> At least I didn't burn it. Yeah. There you go. Um, do you guys have anything uh, else you would like to say to our lovely audience? Anything you'd like to plug? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to plug. <laughs> keep saying that. And every time you say it, it sounds sexier. I don't know. <laughs> Something going on there. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so I also do a podcast. I do a podcast called The Feminine Critique. Uh, we're out there. So we're not really, like, smart on Instagram or somewhere on Twitter, but I always forget to tweet. Uh, but we do, like, I don't know, if you go to iTunes or wherever podcasts Yeah, happen, Apple Podcasts. There. Yeah, that place. That's a thing that people still do, right? Love it. Yeah. So just yeah. My, me and my friend Christine, we talk about a lot of movies, a lot of horror, but a mix of stuff. Uh, and then come Christmas will be the Stocking Stuffer series where – uh, I cover Hallmark and Hallmark adjacent Christmas movie. Oh my God, that sounds brilliant! Awesome. Yes, brilliant. It is a I love it. We will, strength. Yes, we will definitely post a link for that somewhere yeah, on our on our sure. socials and what have you, because you guys should go check it out. But yes, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Yay. Halloween. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. Thank you. Guys. Happier than you know Rob Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> That was super fun. Great fun. Brandon and Emily are amazing and huge fans of theirs. That was really great. I knew I knew that would be a good conversation. I don't think we said if people wanna Oh, we said the feminine critique, right? That's the name of the okay. Yes, and we and like I said, we'll post links to that. Um because uh, it's another movie podcast. So if you're listening to us, then you might like that too. You very well might. Um <laughs> great. Well, Let's pick our next matchup. Let's do it. Great. This is our last spooky season matchup. It is. It's our last spooky season. All right. Let's see what we're watching. Hey, Siri. Uh Uh-huh? Pick a number between 1 and 209. A random number between 1 and 209 is 150. 150 is, from 1940, Rebecca. Oh. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchy Dick. That is definitely on the list of ones that I really want to see that I haven't seen. Great. I don't know anything about it. I just know that it's Hitchcock. 
I have not seen it in a long time, but I remember loving it. Like, yeah. Thinking it's like so good and great and good. Amazing. And, and great. And, and great and good. Yeah. Love that. Great. I can't wait to watch it. That's exciting. All right. Let's see what's going up against it. Hey, Siri. Mm-hmm. Pick a number between 1 and 209. A random number between 1 and 209 is 177. 177 is from 1990, The Silence of the Lambs. Heard of it? <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. Just a little movie called The Silence of the Lambs. Ooh, oh man. That is both exciting and terrifying because that movie scares me. Great. For sure. That's great. Ooh, classic. Really, it doesn't get better. No, I love that. All right. Rebecca and Silence of the Lambs, two classics. Two classics. Two, but very different. Two icons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very different. I, I'm just saying what you're saying, sir. You truly are. <laughs> um. <laughs> I am very much looking forward to watching both of these. Silence of the Lambs, I feel like I know every shot of by heart. Rebecca, I have not seen it in a long time, and I'm excited to watch it again. I it's love funny. that movie. I mean, we'll get into it next week, but Silence of the Lambs is one of the ones that I... Um, have to kind of block out because it's too scary. Too if I scary. if I if I keep it if I log it like that, it's too scary. Yeah. Wow. 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 All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening, especially if you got this far. We're DVD Deathmatch in all of the places. We got the Insta. We got the Twitter. We got the Gmail. We got the Whirl. Why? Web. And I hope that you spend some time with friends chatting about movies because I tell you what, it does the heart good. <laughs> it really does. It really does. It really does. Thank you to Brennan and Emily for yes. hanging out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Come back next week. Last spooky season episode. And see who survives. DVD, DVD Deathmatch. Death